Good morning. It's always, uh, yeah, thanks. That's what I prefer. No, nah, just lazy. <laughs> so, although I did, I did the clean underneath because that gets itchy real quick. You know, so, um, yeah, it's, we'll see how long this lasts. Yeah, it's always an honour to uh, bring God's word. So, uh, I pray that uh, this blesses you this morning, and I do, I do believe that uh, this this topic that we're going to talk about will uh, encourage us all and help us to live uh, a blessed life. So, uh, when we move to our our home back uh, beginning of 2018, uh, we were all excited, you know, moving into a home here in Adelaide and uh, started to look at what we could do, fresh painting, things to fix up and all that kind of stuff. And, and as we were progressing, just doing our things, we were obviously then using the, uh, the facilities that are there. And uh, my wife comes out of the bathroom one day and goes, I think we've got a problem. And what? The water's not draining away. Oh, no. All right. Call the plumber. So we get the plumber to come in and have a look, and they go, yeah, you've got block pipes. Now, it wasn't that simple because the pipes that run out go underneath concrete and run down and through our bitumen driveway down to the sewerage place. And so they did the test, and they fortunately, it wasn't under the concrete. It was just out the front of the house. A little bit of uh, bitumen had to be dug up. But there was a pretty significant job of digging that up, fixing the crushed pipe, replacing it, and uh, getting it working. And so we're pretty stoked going, okay, good, we've got that sorted. The sewage now can flow. The wastewater can now flow out of the house. We can go back to using the facilities in our house again. Then we've got a septic system. It gets into the, the tank, and uh, there's a pump that then pumps it all the way up the back to a drench. The pump decided not to work. Because our house had been vacant for 12 months, and who knows how long the pump had been there. could have been there from the beginning. pump goes, you know what? Done my time. Time to retire. It's the end. So, on the phone, the plumber again. Hey, uh, got a problem? It's all just leaking out of where the sewage tank is. He goes, all right, yep, look at it. It's the pump. Fix it up. Get the pump fixed, and away we go. All right, cool. Okay, that, that wasn't a big deal. All right. Good, got it sorted. Then, the sewage is getting pumped all the way up to the trench and the little pipe where the big trench is, instead of going into the trench, it's flowing out of the pipe onto the grass. And so he comes back again and has a look and he goes, yep, it's an old trench. Going to need a new trench. And uh, so he uh, dug us a smaller one because then he gave us some quotes of things we could do for the future. And so we're in the midst of saving up to uh, redo the whole sewage system. But in the midst of all that journey of back and forth, back and forth, we really got to know our plumber, which is, he was a nice man, but I don't know if you really want to get to know your plumber. Um, It's like your car mechanic. You don't really want to get to know your car mechanic. They're nice people, but... I'd prefer not to get to know you because you cost me money. But with all those things, getting the sewage to be able to depart from the house, we now had a house that was livable again, a house where the dirty, the yuck, the stink was able to move out and we could use the facilities in our home. It became healthy again. There was no need to worry about being unhealthy or getting sick in our house. 
I want to read from a passage of Scripture. And um, as I read, it's a familiar story. As I read, I, I believe it's going to be a fresh look for, for some of us, maybe many of us. Uh, but something that I, I think is in this story in relation to what Jesus is doing. Let's just uh, pray. Father, I thank you uh, for your word. Thank you for the opportunity to be here today to worship you. And I pray that as uh, we read your word, that you would speak to us. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I did write down a note here. Uh, in two weeks, youth are having a messy night. So 15th, Friday the 15th, we're having a messy night. So we're telling our young people to come dressed, prepared to get messy. Uh, it's going to be a good night. Um, I enjoy messy nights. All right, I'm going to read from John chapter 13. John chapter 13, 1 to 17. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing. But someday you will. No, Peter protested. You'll never wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Then Simon Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands and my head as well. Lord, not just my feet. Jesus replied, a person who has, been, has bathed all over does not need to wash except the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him. That is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. After washing their feet, he put on a robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I'm doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right because that's what I am. And since I am your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done. I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than the master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. There is no doubt that this passage is about the humility of Jesus as he positions himself to wash the disciples' feet. You know, Mark summarizes uh, the life of Jesus and, and connecting to this uh, story here in Mark 10, 45. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You know, there's no mistake that this happens at the night of the Passover, the night in which Jesus is portrayed. You know, Jesus knew, beginning there, verse 1, he knew this was the Passover 
that would change everything. Everything was about to change. Jesus knew that. He knew why he came. This is why he came, why he was here. And he was about to fulfill that and then go back to the Father. Jesus came to serve. And in serving, he gave his life. His death was the ultimate act of service. As the night progresses, the group is sitting down. And no one had done what the lowly servant was meant to do. Wash the feet. A few weeks ago, we heard from uh, the Reverend Dr. John give a bit of an illustration about what that may have looked like. People sitting down on the floor. So you imagine you're on the floor and you've got feet near you as you're eating. And so washing feet was important. Important for being clean. It was near food. So it was a significant event. Nathan, can I invite you up here? But not only was it important for, for food, just go on, go on, stand on here. As they traveled and did their life, they didn't have roads like we have, they didn't have nice, shiny, clothed, covered shoes like we did. They walked on dirt tracks. They uh, walked on paths that animals enjoyed. They walked on roads that were dirty, were yucky. Just walk up and down in there, Nathan, a bit. Just get it in between your toes. This. Their feet would have been disgusting. Now, it's all right, mate. There's, no, there's nothing yuck in that. It's just dirt. It's, I got it for where the chooks don't go. Well, at least I think they don't go. <laughs> These disciples, everyone, they would have had dirty feet. And, and let's just say they probably would have been well fertilized. Washing feet was very important. And at this Passover, no one had volunteered to wash the feet. So Jesus, the master, he took off his outer clothes. Now, I'm not going to take my shirt off, but uh, you can sit down there, mate. He put a towel around. the room became deadly silent. I think they started to pick on what was happening. They knew. No one had washed feet. And he's their master. He's their lord. Their rabbi. Standing up. Derobing himself. Picking up the towel. And putting the towel around himself. They knew what was going on. Silence came over the room. I'm ready to go to the beach. Matches the shirt. (laughs) That's why I picked it. Careful, Naomi. (laughs) He grabs the basin and starts to move the disciples. 
Bartholomew. No one dares to say anything. I think they even bowed their head in shame. Not even wanting to make eye contact with anyone, let alone Jesus, who is now washing the first disciples' feet. Then he moves along to Thaddeus, James, Thomas. There's this awkwardness in the room. James and John, no one is moving, no one's saying a word, heads are down in shame. The silence could have been cut. Then he comes to Peter. And Peter, who is known for speaking before he thinks, he decides is enough. Lord, are you going to wash my feet? His question is more of an objection. And Jesus responds, indicating that there is a meaning behind what Jesus is doing. But Peter doesn't quite get it. And I don't blame him. You know, neither would I. Jesus already told Peter that he wouldn't understand it yet. But then Jesus replies, Unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Jesus makes a connection that there is a deeper meaning going on here. There is a spiritual cleansing at work in this foot washing. Then Peter grabs a hold of something that Jesus is saying and says, Well, then wash my hands and everything. I want everything, God. But Jesus replies, A person who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, although not all of you. The passage uh, includes the act of forgiveness, cleansing. For Jesus to do this, if he didn't participate, you wouldn't be a part of Jesus. Jesus performing a symbolic act of his cleansing at, with his sacrifice at Calvary. You know, one of the dictionaries write about this uh, in regards to forgiveness. If we begin with the premise that sin is an inner defilement, forgiveness can be pictured as a process of washing, cleansing, receiving a clean heart. The connection we find in this act and dialogue with Peter is that Jesus' act of service is a result of cleansing, which finds its supreme embodiment in the cross. When Jesus completely fulfills that act on the Calvary, our sins are forgiven. John Wesley writes in regards to this passage, If I do not wash thee in my blood and purify thee by my spirit, thou canst have no communion with me, nor any share in the blessings of my kingdom. This is what this foreshortening represents. Jesus cleansing, Jesus forgiving his disciples. However, Peter kind of doesn't quite get it. And he talks about, well, bathe all me. And Jesus says, no, those who've had a bath only need to have their feet washed. 
See, those of us who have decided to follow Jesus have a point in our life where we say, I've made a conversion experience. I've made a decision to follow Jesus. That's our complete bath. We are completely clean at that time. Head to toe, we've had a bath. We are in with God, belong to him, joined with him. But here's the deal. As we go through life, as we live out amongst fellow family and friends, as we walk paths, dirt is on those roads. Our feet get dirty. Listen, I can speak from experience. I sin regularly. And just to so you know too, I'm not pointing the finger because when you point, there's fingers pointing back, but we all sin regularly. And sin means missing the mark, falling short of the glory of God. We all fall short in some regards. And so, yes, we've made a decision to follow Jesus. There's our bath. But we need to regularly have our feet washed. And let that sin that builds up each day be taken away from us. And so Jesus, not only was he doing an act of service in humble himself, He was demonstrating an act of forgiveness. Put your feet in here, mate. <laughs> no, nah, he's not ticklish here. Yeah. Got some mark, uh, got some thank you soap. He's not only serving, he's forgiving. All the dirt from that day, that week, has been washed away, taken away. He washes their feet. There you go, mate. You can take the towel if you want. Thanks. Thanks for helping me. Unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. You know, when Jesus taught about the Lord's Prayer, a prayer that is implied that we should pray daily, because he said in there, he said, give us today the food we need, He also said in that prayer for us to say, forgive us our sins. So there's an implication that we need to pray daily, God, forgive me. Wash my feet today. Can you wash my feet today? I did this, I've done that, I've fallen short, I've fallen short, I've fallen short. Daily we pray. 
But the Lord's Prayer doesn't stop where I just finished there, saying, forgive us our sins, forgive me, Lord. Neither does the story of washing the feet. Jesus finishes washing the disciples' feet. Andrew, Philip, Matthew, Simon the Zealot, Judas Exariot, you know, the one who he already knew was going to betray him. Yet he still washed his feet. After he finished, he clothed himself again, then he sat back down and explained more about what had happened at this event. Now he points out the obvious, that he's a teacher. He is their Lord, their rabbi. And so he's the one who shouldn't be doing this. They should have been serving him, but he came to serve them. And so if their teacher had done it, he now says to them, so you should do this to others. You be a servant. Jesus changes the whole dynamic of what it means to be a leader in comparison to those around him at that time. You know, Jesus said, And since I, your Lord, teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's. You need to wash each other's. Christ's disciples are to serve one another with humility and love, just like Jesus did. While this service is central to the story, I want to propose there is another thought in Jesus' example when he says that we need to do this to each other. That if washing feet represents a cleansing, Jesus washing the disciple feet represents a cleansing, not the conversion need, but the, the daily need of the, the dirt that just gets built up and doing life. We need that regular cleansing. I want to suggest that when he proposed that we need to wash each other's feet, Jesus was also suggesting that in that act of washing, you are to forgive others. You are to forgive others. You want to wash someone's feet? Forgive them. Forgive them. Now the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our sins. And then what does it say? As we forgive others who sin against us. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. This is a daily prayer. Our daily prayer to forgive others who sin against us. And just to think if that was the end of it, if you know your Lord's Prayer, and then you get to the end of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus says a few little extra things on there, just to kind of make sure it's clear. He says at the end of the Lord's Prayer in verse 14, If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. This is how critical foot washing is. Washing the feet of others is important for our daily living. To be a community, to be the body of Christ. We need to forgive others. You know, I mean, while I washed my son's feet, probably to use the illustration here, he probably should have washed my feet. 
Because there's plenty of things I've done that has been wrong or, you know, didn't do things right and that I need to say, son, forgive me. We're all going to find ourselves in those situations. Our feet get dirty by ourselves and by others. Jesus also said after he had risen from the dead, the end of uh, John, if you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. We have this authority to forgive that daily sin of doing life together. Jesus said it there. Again, I'm not talking about salvation, forgiveness of belonging to God. I'm talking now about the aspect of belonging to the body of Christ, being in Christ and living together in community. Forgiveness is all about letting go. The actual word in, in Scripture is the word depart. If you, if you read it, if it was translated literally, you would read sentences such as, and Jesus forgave uh, Jerusalem to Samaria, departed Jerusalem to Samaria. Jesus forgave this place to go somewhere else. That word forgive, forgave, is depart, to let go, to take away. Let go of the hurt. Let go of the pain. Yeah, let's be honest. When things happen, it hurts. From the little things of someone not doing it the way we expected to ginormous great things that can cause a, a lot of pain, we can let go of the hurt. You know, as I told that story to start off with about the, the sewer. You know, for me, that was just a great story, an illustration of, you know what? If we did not get our house right to allow the sewage to depart, our house would have been a horrible place. In fact, it would have become unlivable. We ne needed to allow an outlet for the gunk, for the daily rubbish, the daily waste to be able to be parted from our house. We need to daily allow the things that build up to depart from our life. How do we know when forgiveness has taken place? Well, I like the words of, uh, he's not a theologian, but he wrote something well, Bernard Fanning. When we get to the place where we can say, I just want to wish you well, we're in a place of forgiveness. I just want to wish you well. What a great place. Listen, forgiveness doesn't mean forgetting. Forgiveness doesn't mean it's going to be the same as it was before. Forgiveness means is that the hurt is gone. I've let go of the pain. We may not be best friends again, but I just want to wish you well. The psychology today writes this about forgiveness. The act of forgiveness is the first and foremost for ourselves. It is first and foremost for ourselves. It lets us move on from the past instead of leading to bitterness and anger. 
to cause emotional unwell-being. Research bears out these benefits. Forgiveness is shown to elevate mood, enhance optimism, and guard against anger, stress, anxiety, and depression. Wow. That's the, research has found that in the power of forgiveness. Unforgiveness leads to bitterness, anger, hatred. It hurts us more than hurts the other person. It hurts us more than hurts the other person. Just like if I didn't decide to get that sewerage system fixed, it would have hurt us as a family more than anyone else. I had to clear the pipes, get a new pump, sort things out so that we could have that functioning so the gunk, the yuck could depart from the house. So I ask you this morning, how's your feet washing? How's your heart? How's your forgiveness? You may be thinking, you know, it's easy for you, Dean. You've had, you don't know what I've experienced. But you know what? You're right. I don't. But I know someone who does. And even though he knew Judas was going to betray him, he still washed his feet. He knows the hurt. He knows more than you could imagine what it's like. I don't. But he does. As, as I mentioned earlier, Jesus said this, If you forgive one another's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Right before he said this, he goes, receive the Holy Spirit. You know what? Forgiveness is possible for each and every one of us because we have the Holy Spirit. He is able to give us the strength, to give, it, give us the ability to be able to wash someone's feet, to forgive Back in John 13, Jesus finishes at the end as he's talking about this whole process of forgiveness. And he says, now that you know these things, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. You want to live a blessed life this morning? Forgive. Forgive. Yes, listen, I'm not denying the acts of service. I, 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 that is all part of the, this story. But I'm bringing this fresh look in on this, this story here. There's a connection here in relation to forgiveness and living a blessed life. Well, how often? Well, I'm glad you asked. The disciples asked Jesus that too, at one point. And he said, not just seven times, but 70 times seven. In other words, he's saying, you know what, you just need to keep forgiving. And again, I can tell you from experience, I continually muck up. There's a lot of grace in the rest of my family for me. They have to keep forgiving me as I keep forgiving them. 
It goes both ways. Just as Jesus talked about that, that uh, reference there about how many times to forgive, he tells the story of the king who forgives the servant. He had a large debt. He goes, I'll cancel your debt. Then that servant goes off. And those you know, the servant then finds someone who owes him just a small amount. But the servant then starts to treat this person bad, throws him in jail and he threatens him. Rapport goes back to the king. The king calls the servant back in again. And he goes, well, I forgave you. You haven't forgiven him. Well, you haven't forgiven him, so I take back now. You're in jail. That's, that's pretty tough. But this is how important, this is how critical for the body of Christ, for us as people who represent Jesus, we need to value washing feet in regards to forgiving one another. This is important. So what can we do about it? I want to leave you just with a couple of practical tips. And Luke and Musos, you'd be happy to come back up again now. First thing is, pray. Pray. I mean, Jesus instructs us in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our sins as we forgive others. I try to pray that daily. Lord, forgive me of the things I've done. And Lord, I forgive that person for cutting me off and I forgive this person for saying that and for doing this. And, and I pray others say that about me too because I'm not innocent. I'm not innocent. Keep praying. Keep praying until you get to the place, the point where you can say, I just want to wish him well. God, you've blessed that person. Thank you for that person. I forgive him. You know, it's no secret about Pastor Gary's history. And he has said it here uh, from time to time of what happened to him as a child. He can now stand here in front of us and say he's forgiven that man. He's lived that journey himself. We all have to live it. We need to pray. We can pray. Keep praying. Keep praying. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you strength. You've received the Holy Spirit, so now we can forgive. Yeah, it may not happen overnight. And I'm not saying there's, there's, there's consequences and, and all those things. There's things that can take place or need to. It may not be the same. But are you forgiving? And second thing I want to mention is to confess. John writes in 1 John, 1 John, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all righteousness. Forget, for, for, confession brings out what was hidden into the light. You know, we, we can hide those things inside of us. And, and when it's hidden inside, it can begin to play around. The devil can use it to go, oh, look what's happened to you. Look what you've done. See that? I'll see what they've done to you. How, how's that work out? Hey, 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 hey. They hate you. They don't like you. That's why they're doing it. But then as you confess, you bring it out in the light. You're bringing it out into public. Now, I'm not saying you need to confess to, to everyone here. But James does instruct us to confess our sins to each other. Why? Because again, it's bringing it out into the light. There's no power in the person to forgive us for, in regards to us being with Jesus. He did that 
on the cross. We confess our sins to Jesus. But as we confess those daily things, we're bringing out in light. We're releasing the power of darkness over those things so God can do the work in restoring. You know, I do feel as a church, we struggle with confession. I feel the world actually understands more about confession than we do because confession is about owning up to what you've done is wrong. Confession is actually admitting the truth, whether that's good truth or bad truth that we've done. It's admitting the truth. And so we're just stating what it is. The world, I believe, they call this accountability. You get a personal trainer, a personal coach, they will ask you, how many donuts you ate in this week? Have you done a 30, day, 30 minutes of exercise? How's your, your plan in place? They'll ask you these questions. They'll ask you to confess. Yeah, I had three donuts this week and iced coffee. Have you been working out? You doing your exercise? Oh, I got there one day a week. Or if things, yeah, I've been every day. No donuts. You're confessing. But it's in that accountability, that confessing with someone, there comes strength. There, come, there comes the ability to say, I can do this. I can do this. I want to encourage you this morning. Who can you confess to? Who can you confess to? When we confess, be, be specific. Be honest. That's more important. Be honest. You know, God knows our thoughts. Sometimes we get a little bit uh, worked up the fact, oh, I can't say that. You know, I can't say that to God. Well, he already knows you're thinking it. <laughs> can just confess it. Just allow it to line up. So now that it's out, God can go, now it's out in the open. We can work with this. When I was school teaching, I, I uh, remember making a comparison. I was uh, teached at a, at a private school. And uh, you'd go and instruct some students. And um, sorry if you go to a private school. Yeah, Cam, don't, don't uh, take this out on me. Um, but I'm sure this is a good school. Yours is different. Um, you talk to the private school kids and, uh, you know, they'd be like, yes, sir, yes, sir, three bags full, sir. Then they'd walk away. And then you'd hear this, and uh, you'd get this kind of fake little thing going on. Then I went to a public school, and I was teaching in a public school. And um, I'd go, hey, student, come here. I'd go, Nick off, sir. <laughs> okay, all right, now I know where we stand. I can work with this. You're honest. God knows your thoughts already. Bringing it out just allows him to say, right, now we can work with this. Richard Foster says, True confession and forgiveness brings joy to the Christian community and healing to the parties involved. This morning as we close, I want to encourage you. Is this something you need to confess? Maybe this morning... You haven't had the bath which Jesus talked about. You haven't had that conversion experience. We have said, Jesus, I believe in you. 
You are the Son of God. You came to earth, died on the cross and rose again. I want to accept you as my Lord, as my leader, and I choose to follow you this morning. I turn away from the past and follow you. Maybe you haven't had that bath this morning. This morning, I invite you. Why don't you enter in to that bath so you can belong with God? But if you're like me, There's probably little things that have happened already this morning, if not throughout the week, that perhaps you haven't dealt with. And you need to just say, God, I lay this before you. As we finish this morning, as the musicians begin to sing, I want to encourage you, firstly, just just where you are. But if you feel you need prayer, you feel you can't do this alone, I want to invite you to come stand forward, come to the front, have one of our leaders just to stand with you. Now, you don't need to say anything to anyone here this morning, but I want to encourage you to find someone you trust. If it's something you're struggling with, find someone you trust and confess to them. Let them do the work, walk, sorry, walk with you. Let the Holy Spirit do the work in you. Father, I thank you for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity we have to hear your word. Lord, firstly and foremost, we thank you for your forgiveness that came through Jesus Christ on the cross. And just as you taught through the foot washing experience and through your prayer, I pray you would help us to forgive others. May we not leave this place with any unforgiveness in our heart. Holy Spirit, give us the ability, give us the power to forgive this morning. Just as they sing, if there's something you need to confess, won't you in your seat confess that to Jesus? But if you'd like some prayer this morning, you're welcome to come down the front and we'll pray for you.